Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Hello church, it's so great to be with you all. Wherever you're watching from, I hope you're having a great start to 2021. I'd like to start by thanking Pastor Byron and Pastor Candice for the incredible privilege to share this message today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the power it has to transform our lives. May we lean into what you have to teach us today and may it help us to move even more towards Jesus at the start of this year. Amen. When I was 13 and started high school, I remember just sitting on my bed in my dorm room in the first two weeks and thinking, this sucks. Then all of a sudden, a friend of mine ran into the dorm and yelled, SCA is starting in five minutes. SCA is starting in five minutes. Then he started running off again. I called him back and said, hey, calm down. Now what's SCA? It's the Student Christian Association, he said. It starts in five minutes and you must come. And then he just sprinted off again. Now, at an all-boys boarding school, every invitation sounds more like a dare. Come play rugby with us. Come toilet paper houses with us. <laughs> There's very little margin to say no. So I immediately thought, this sounds interesting. How bad could it be? I guess I should go. Then, in almost a split second, that dare became the most important decision of my life. I decided to go to that SEA meeting and I went to pretty much every other SCA meeting until I finished matric. And I know for a fact that if I didn't accept that day to that first SCA meeting on my grade eight year, I definitely wouldn't be here today. Sometimes it takes a life-changing day to make our lives greater. That's what Jesus' disciples discovered in Mark chapter 11. Let's turn to Mark 11 verses 12 to 25 as we get started today. This is a passage that takes place immediately after Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. He has one quick look at the temple in Jerusalem before leaving the city to rest. We're going to pick the story up from the following day in verse 12. The next morning, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if, it, if he could have any figs. But there was only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard what he had said. Skipping down to verse 20. The next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. In this passage, we see an interesting exchange between Jesus and his disciples. And this exchange always gets me thinking about one of my all-time favorite stories, the story of how Apple became a real powerhouse company. 
During its early days, the company's founder, Steve Jobs, realized he didn't have nearly enough experience to make this company into a success. He was in over his head. So he went to the CEO of Pepsi, which was huge and massive at the time, and he told the CEO of Pepsi, John Scully, hey, come and work with me and be the CEO of Apple. Scully replied, mm, no, that's not going to happen. But then Steve Jobs leaned over to him and looked at him with a straight face and said, do you want to sell sugar water all your life? Or do you want to change the world? Scully was so captivated that he couldn't say no. It was as if Steve Jobs dared him and he couldn't refuse the dare. Just like how I couldn't refuse my friend's dare. It was as if Jobs had said, I dare you to think bigger, to be bolder, to be more fearless in what you want. I dare you. And church, as we start this brand new year, at the back of what I really hope is the strangest year we will ever live through, I think Jesus is doing the same thing to us. He's leaning over heaven's rails and he's looking at each of us with an expectant face and he's saying, do you want to live a life that is less than your best, that doesn't leave you satisfied, a life where it's same old, same old, or do you want to change the world? He's tapping us on the shoulder, daring us even more than what Jobs did to Scully, daring us to think bigger of ourselves, to be bolder about our faith, and to be more fearless when it comes to pursuing Him. He's looking at each of us in the eyes, hoping that today, at the start of 2021, we'll come to a place where we dare to have faith. Jesus' disciples had the same choice in Mark chapter 11. In Mark 11, we see how they were beginning to notice how awesome and incredible Jesus was and that he could actually be the Messiah. As they entered Jerusalem, all the people in the city came out and threw this massive parade for him. And as soon as Jesus entered the city, the first thing he did was pop his head into the temple. He saw the whole place being filled with people, selling animals, trading money, and pretty much making the entire temple look like Easter Mall or Greenstone. He thought, huh, this is interesting. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. The next morning, him and the disciples made their way back to the same temple. The disciples didn't know it yet, but Jesus was in game mode. <laughs> but before they got there, he got hungry. But luckily, there was this massive fig tree. But when he reached out for a fig, there wasn't anything there because the Bible tells us that it wasn't season yet. But Jesus didn't care and he started shouting at the fig tree, you'll never have fruit again, ever. The disciples were like, what's up with this guy? It's not even the right season. So by the time they got to the temple, Jesus wasn't only angry because of what he saw the day before, but he was also hangry because he hasn't eaten yet. So he starts going all WWE on everyone and anything in the temple. And after all of this, they all went back home. But the Bible tells us the next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. They were like, huh, something looks different from what was before. But then Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you had cursed has withered and died. As in, wow, look at that, Jesus. Can you believe that this one tiny tree listens to God when he speaks, listens to you when you speak? What are the chances? 
How awesome is that? It was at that point that Jesus stopped them as they were walking. He looked at the fig tree and he looked at them and he gave them this all-powerful, life-altering dare. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. As they heard this, they must have thought, Oh my word, I think too small. God, you can do more than just kill off a tree. Jesus, you can do more than what we have just experienced. Oh my word, you control the stars in the sky. You tell them what they must do. You tell the sun where it must rise and when it must set. You control how the human body works. You can actually help me through every area of my life because you can do so much more than what I've ever experienced. As we start this year, church, all of us, every single one of us, have a variety of emotions driving how we are going to live out this year. Some of us may have started this year with steely determination, wanting to recover and get back all that 2020 may have taken from us, whether that be opportunities, finances, good health, or school marks. Some of us may be looking at all that had happened last year and all that was lost, and may be starting this year with a state of hopelessness, thinking it's impossible to get back all that was lost. And you're walking into this year resigning to whatever the year may be bringing. And there's still some of us who loved 2020. <laughs> yes, there are some. And you're feeling optimistic about what this year will bring. But regardless of where we find ourselves on this emotional spectrum, it's so, so vital for our souls to start this year ready to accept Jesus' dare to have faith in God. Where we think, oh my word, Jesus, you can do so much more than helping me scrape through these exams. You can do so much more than helping me endure this destructive workplace. You can do so much more than helping me survive this year. Jesus, you can make me thrive. You can save. You can heal. You can restore. You can bring peace. You can bring hope. You can bring prosperity. You can bring joy. You can do so much more than what I've ever experienced. You have the power to help me in every area of my life. And I dare to believe this. You see, when we dare to believe that Jesus can do so much more than what we've ever experienced, that's when we dare to have faith. Charles Spurgeon once said, My faith rests upon not what I am or shall be or feel or know, but in what Christ is, in what He has done, and in what He is doing for me. That's what daring to have faith in 2021 looks like. I love what happens next in the story in Mark chapter 11 because it helps us to see how it is that we can accept this day to a greater life of faith. There are three things that happen next in the story, three areas where we can accept this day that can help us live this way throughout the year. The first area is to dare to dream big. Jesus said this to his disciples, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Jesus was getting his disciples to believe that this God that they've been following can do so much more than kill off trees. Jesus was getting them to understand that if they get impressed by small things over here, how can they believe in the big dreams that he's daring them to live over here? 
If they get impressed by small trees, how can they ever expect to move big mountains? He's doing the same thing with us. If we only pray small prayers over here, how can we ever expect to live and believe in the big dreams that he has for our lives when we dare to have faith? So start to pray bigger prayers, more specific prayers, and expect more from God. Start to pray for increased wisdom so that when difficult seasons come, you'll know how to handle them well. Start to pray for opportunities to share your faith with people in your life who desperately need Jesus. Start to pray for people to move towards Jesus this year during every Sunday service. Pray that the reach and the impact of this house may grow more and more. Start to pray for increased income so that you can be more generous to the church and to everyone else you come across in your life. He hasn't called us to live a life of selfish ambitions, of mediocre standards, of shallow mindsets, or of low potential. He's called us to live a life where we dream big and we see Him do increasingly more than what we could ever hope, think, or imagine. So let's start expecting mountains to move and not just be surprised when small trees die away. Let's dare to dream big. Secondly, dare to wait well. This speaks into being persistent. Jesus goes on to say in verses 22 to 24, But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Quick question, when did the disciples notice the tree falling apart? The same day after Jesus said it? Later that day when they walked past it? No, the story tells us that it was only the next day. So there was a delay, a waiting period. The verse we've just read says, it will happen. In other words, there's a waiting period between when the words are spoken and when the action happens. There's a waiting period that requires us to wait well. And get this, church, God, not us, God is in charge of the waiting period. And this is when things get really scary, but it's also when things are at their most exciting because God always works in the waiting. And you may be going through a waiting period right now in your relationships, in your career, in your health, in your varsity applications. Can I encourage you to wait well in that period by being persistent because God is at work. He may be silent, but he's not absent. He's working alongside every prayer you pray, every time you go on your knees, every time you memorize a promise from his word, every time you sing his praises in worship, every single time you're persistent, you'll see more and more that he's working alongside you, especially, especially in the waiting. Again, we're persistent every time we choose to worship instead of giving up because of the waiting. When we choose to go on our knees in prayer, when we choose to memorize his word, when we choose to thank him for what he has done instead of moan about what we are still to receive. That's how we wait well and see God's great work in the waiting period. So we're going to dare to dream big, dare to wait well, and thirdly, we're going to dare to hurt less. Dare to hurt less. We're going to live with less hurt in our hearts. Jesus ends this masterclass lesson on faith by saying this odd thing to his disciples. 
But when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Again, this may sound like an odd thing to do, but not if we really think about it. If faith is all about seeing things from Jesus' higher and perfect perspective, it's important for us to keep making sure that there's nothing weighing us down. What Jesus is saying here is that unforgiveness can weigh us down. Living hurt weighs us down. Living hurt because of unforgiveness is the one thing that can keep our eyes from seeing the greater future that Jesus has for us and keep us looking back and digging up the garbage of our past. Dr. Tim Keller gives this very helpful solution on how it is that we can diagnose the root cause of unforgiveness. He says this, When anything is an absolute essential for your happiness and self-worth, it is essentially an idol, something you are actually worshipping. When such a thing is threatened, your anger is absolute. Your anger is actually the way the idol keeps you in its service, in its chains. Therefore, if you find that, despite all the efforts to forgive, your anger and bitterness cannot subside, you may need to look deeper and ask, what am I defending? What is so important that I cannot live without? It may be that until some inordinate desire is identified and confronted, you will not be able to master your anger and ultimately your unforgiveness. So can I encourage us to do the hard work of forgiveness right at the start of the year? Take a moment and have a real and honest conversation with God, centered around those questions. What am I defending by holding on to unforgiveness? What is it that I cannot live without? I'm not going to be too prescriptive from here, but you know what to do. And if this is still a struggle for you, can I encourage you to WhatsApp our church number so that you can receive some pastoral help on how to release unforgiveness and live without that hurt. If we really want to accept Jesus' death to have faith, we have to trust him enough to handle our past hurts as well. There's so much freedom on the other side of that choice as we hurt less. So to recap, let's start 2021 accepting Jesus' death. His dare to have faith, despite how 2020 may have looked like for you. We accept and live out this day best when we dare to dream big, dare to wait well, and dare to hurt less. Some years ago, the famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright was commissioned to rebuild and revamp the classic Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. Knowing very well of the terrible tremors and earthquakes that take place in Japan, he went ahead and laid out the plans for the building. After carefully reviewing the situation, he found out that just two meters below the surface of the ground lay an 18-meter bed of soft mud. His plan involved floating the great building on the soft mud and in some way make it absorb the shock of any earthquake. In other words, he dared to believe that this foundation would be strong enough to withhold any condition in any season. After four years of hard work, along with many, many insults from skeptics, this most difficult building in the world was completed. And shortly after this arrived the day which tested it completely. The worst earthquake in 52 years caused houses and buildings all around it to tumble and fall in ruins. But the Imperial Hotel, it stood. 
all because its foundations was able to adjust itself to the tremors of the earth. It was built on the daring faith that its foundations could handle anything. And church, that's what it looks like when we dare to have our lives built on the person and teachings of Jesus Christ. He is our ultimate foundation who can handle any condition in our lives and in every season of our lives. We have no idea what 2021 is going to look like, in all honesty. It may be more of 2020, or it may not be. But what we do know is that right now, in this moment, we can accept the incredible dare to have faith in Jesus, the ultimate foundation who holds our lives together, even if everything else around us may stand or crumble. And if you're watching this today, and this has been the first time you've been made aware of who Jesus is, then this moment is especially for you. And I would love to encourage you to respond to what Jesus is doing right now in this moment. And we can do so by inviting him to be your Lord, Savior, and friend. All you need to do is accept the invitation that he offers you today. I'm going to pray, and as I do so, I invite you to pray along with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for saving me in a moment where I couldn't save myself. I realize that I need you in my life and I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me now. As much as I know how, I want to follow you from now on. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Amen. If you pray that prayer today, it is the very best decision that you could have ever have made. And we celebrate with you. And all around our church, there are thousands of people who are congratulating you right now. What an awesome journey you've just started. We would love for you to let us know that you made this decision by either clicking on the raised hand that has just come up on the right hand corner of your screen or by WhatsApping Follow Jesus to the number that's just come up on the screen right now. We would love to send you some helpful tools to get you started on this faith journey. So again, congratulations. Well Thrive, as we go into the week ahead, let's dare to have faith in Jesus. And when we do so, we'll see him do so much more than what we've ever experienced because he has the power to help us in every area of our lives. Have a great week, church. God bless. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.